This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. All right, so we're here with the man. Basically needs no introduction. But I want one. Paul Feinbaum, ESPN SEC Network, and uh, someone that uh, I have looked up to for years, Paul. So I know you've got a, a long track record, so much you've accomplished. Um, how low on, on your list of accomplishments is being a guest on that SEC podcast? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh at the moment, uh, it's early in the day here. It's it's, it's, it's this is <laughs> yeah. this is uh, this is subterranean. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I was I mean I was interviewed by a by a six year old once for his class project. I'm I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm I can't decide. <laughs> well, I set you up for a patented fine bomb slam, so I'm glad you took it. No, uh, and. Hey, I hope I'm not, uh, you know, telling any secrets here, but I, w I wanted to tell a quick story about you. So I've been on your show a number of times. Um, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. And anytime I get reached by a producer, says, hey, can you come on, give Paul 10 minutes? I could be getting married, Paul. Uh, we would delay the reception for the opportunity to join your show. And I was coming down to the Alabama-Tennessee game, and I knew you were going to be on location, so I reached out to that producer. I don't have the nerve to say, hey, get me on the show. But I said, I'm going to be there any chance I can say hello to Paul and, you know, and say hello to him. He told me, well, I, I just stay in the studio, but I'll contact the people that are there. Just show up around 430. So I was there at 430 on the dot. I showed up and you got a team of people there. It's about a dozen people. It's barricaded off. You can't just run on stage. I told him who I was and I was here to see you and, and possibly get on the show. He looked at me like I was just an insane person off the street, which admittedly, you know, I could get that. But no, he went and checked with his, I guess, his superior there, whoever was running the live thing there. And he said, no, there's no chance you can get on the show. And I said, perfectly understandable. Any chance, you know, when you get a break, can I say hello to Paul? They said, we'll, we'll let you know if he says it's all right. And the type of guy you are, Paul, you guys took a break. You waved me in. We were chatting there for a minute. I don't know if you remember this, but you said, hey, are you going to come on? And I said, well, I'd love to, but they told me, just don't have time. Perfectly understandable. I don't want to be an issue. Paul grabs me, go right on stage. Within 30 seconds, we're on the air. So that's that's the type of guy you are, and, and I really appreciate all, all you've done for me. Last, uh, yeah, this was Tennessee beating Alabama. And uh, I, I'm particularly honored that you put that on your uh, Twitter page. Yeah. Well, again, it... it validates someone if like it ever, me if it ever leaves that page <laughs> the interview will be deleted from our podcast <laughs> it's like boom <laughs> no I, I remember that and i was i mean i'm i know this sounds like i'm just saying this but i, I was really happy to meet you i mean I'm, I've, I've been a fan and and i'm a, i'm i'm a fan of you of you of yours michael because you're one of the few people that that say interesting things uh i mean there are thousand podcasts in the, the in the sea mm -hmm. but very few 
resonate, and I think that's why you've you've been so successful. Oh, I appreciate that, Paul. But uh, you know, obviously, more interested in what you have to say about your career. Oh, well, I'm a, <laughs> you know, that, that's a, that's a bad habit that hosts have. Is that I'm, I'm sitting here and I feel like I should be interviewing you. So, so you grew up uh, in uh, in Franklin, Tennessee. <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet. So, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, but it seems like you've been largely successful because you do things a little bit differently. And I want to go back to your time at Tennessee, beat writer for, uh, what was it, were you at the Daily Beacon, I assume? Yes, I yeah. was. And it's my understanding that uh, at some point, I, I apologize, I don't know the what exactly happened on the court, but you, I believe, wrote an obituary for Tennessee's basketball program, and the administration was none too happy about that. What can you tell me about that time? I do remember it, because uh, somebody framed it for me, and I still have it. Um, it was the year after uh, the famous uh, Ernie Ernie and Bernie show, which was in the mid the mid to late seventies, and they had the two two first team All Americans. Yeah. They left, and the team was horrible the next year, and they lost a I think it was a home game to Georgia. It was just embarrassing. So I decided I'm going to be cute. Uh, I wrote, I, I, I mean, I looked at a no bit in the paper back then, and I wrote you know, the Tennessee uh, Vols died Saturday night, uh, you know, it was 78. Uh, and, and I went through the whole thing. Uh, you know, the services will be <laughs> Sunday at 12.30, but it was the last line that did it. Um, I said, and, you know, contributions, you know, please forward to the Luden's Cough, drac, co- uh, the Luden's cough Drop Company for future research on choking. <laughs> <laughs> and they put a black border around it and said balls 19 whatever tonight <laughs> and not to get too deep in the weeds but the the main coach was a guy named Ray Mears famous coach mm-hmm. at Tennessee he he had left uh, he'd taken a leave of absence uh, to go into a hospital so he had an interim coach and uh, he called me up and said, I can't get over here right away. And I got over there. The guy started screaming. I mean, he literally put his hands on me like I thought he was going to kill me. Yeah. And then the, the team, uh, we traveled with the team. We traveled uh, the, the newspaper. I was a sports editor. So I, I had a seat on the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they kicked me off. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, they finally relented. But it was, uh, I think when I threatened, uh, when, I, when I, I let the AD know that the the basketball coaches put his arms on my neck and threatened me. I, I mean, he should have been fired over it. Right. But I, but I think enough damage had been done. But I think most people, Paul, that early in their career, student journalism, oh, yeah. you get threatened, don't ever do this again, you want to cover the team, revoke some privileges. I think 99% of people would have said, you know, they would have, they would have done exactly what they wanted so they could continue to cover the team. And that's... You know, did did anything spark in you where you said, "Hey, th- th- maybe this is a path to to going where I want to be"? Here's the deep dark secret about it, and it's funny. I ran into uh, Dondi Plowman yesterday, the mm-hmm. chancellor, and uh, she put out a tweet uh, congratulating uh, the School of Communications. You know, I didn't. I, I'm not a graduate of the School of Communications. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I I didn't know any better. Uh, I majored in political science and history, Michael. I didn't. I started taking a few journalism classes my last year when I realized this is, was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I just made it up as I went along uh, in terms of my career. And and it, it, it affected me because, I, I mean, I really did not have a lot of basic fundamental uh, ability, but, but I did have an innate uh, curiosity, yeah. which I think uh, helped me. You know, everybody gets out of school and, you know, all the five stars and they're offered by all the... I had two, I had two offers out of college. Uh, one, I was helped uh, by the sports editor of the Knoxville paper to get me an interview. I had an offer from the Bristol Courier, whatever, in Bristol, <laughs> Tennessee. And That's not to be confused with where ESPN is at. No, uh, and, and the uh, Shreveport Journal. And I took the Shreveport job, and it, it's a decision that changed my life because <laughs> had I taken the Bristol job, mm-hmm. uh, I would have ended up probably getting married to this... A young lady I was dating at the time from Kingsport, Tennessee, and I may have spent my whole life in in East Tennessee, but uh, I chose to leave, and she immediately dumped me. <laughs> and uh, she didn't immediately dump me; it took a few months, but right, right. She, she then dumped me. Um, and uh, it's quite a story, by the way. If not, not that we have six hours here, but uh, but th- but anyway, that that was kind of the beginning of my career. Right, and so obviously you you go on to much fame in Alabama. Yeah. You're an investigative reporter, and you know the story's well documented. You you chronicled illegal recruiting. You got sued, so they had to transition you to columnist, <laughs> exactly. so you couldn't be sued and all that. But but again, it's a, it's a, it's a similar theme where we can't have people in the great state of Alabama, where Auburn and Alabama means so much. We can't have these critical columns. I mean that that had was that. I mean, we can joke about it now, but was that at all like a dangerous time for you? Oh, yeah. Uh, another another event that changed my life because I, I got off to a fast start. I, I got the job in Birmingham a year into my career. And I mean, I'm covering the end of Bear Bryant. Yeah. And while he was still there, I, I came upon a big controversy. Long story short, we wrote it, uh, did a number of investigations and got sued. Uh, won all these awards, started getting offers. From, I had an offer from the Philadelphia Inquirer, had an offer from other papers. This is when news, newspapers were a, a real thing. Right. And because of the lawsuit, uh, I couldn't, they wouldn't let me, uh, they wouldn't hire me until the lawsuit was over. It took two years. We finally won the lawsuit. Um, nothing ever happened to Alabama because Bear Bryant interfered with the NCAA investigation. <laughs> Kid you not. Um, so that was finally over and the newspaper decided, you know, listen, we successfully defended a, a major first amendment lawsuit spending a lot of money. Right. Let's, uh, let's move the guy to a columnist <laughs> and whatever his opinion is, we can hide behind the times versus, uh, uh, Sullivan. Uh, it's a famous, uh, first amendment case. So that's, that was the beginning of, and that was the big turning point of my career. Right. So again, you're, you're kind of going against the grain. And if I have this right, you, you once wrote of, here's a, one of your headlines. Welcome to the state of Alabama, Loserville, USA. And this was obviously well before Nick Saban and yeah. all this, but, uh, again, I can't imagine that went over very well. It didn't. Uh, it was a couple weeks after I, I started writing the column, <laughs> But <laughs> uh, Auburn had been preseason number one in, uh, I think it was Playboy. Uh, not the AP, but Playboy magazine. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote, uh, uh, I, I said, you know, Auburn lost to Texas in like the second game of the season. I said, now maybe Auburn fans can, you know, quit reading Playboy and go back to the Farmer's <laughs> Almanac. <laughs> and Alabama had lost the same weekend. So I began the call. Welcome to, to, to lose. And yeah, I mean, it. 
if you did something like that today, it would get attention. Right. But this is 1983. No one in Alabama had ever done that. Uh, Bryant died in January, and this is now uh, the first season without him. And uh, the, it was the next year that Alabama had its first losing season in 25 years. And nobody had ever seen anything like this. Uh, I mean, you know, a guy like Joe, who was here the other day, mm -hmm. um, he... You, know, you could write that today, and it wouldn't it wouldn't get wide distribution because most of it's most of it's digital. But back then, people people used to go buy the newspaper every day. Yeah, and I've also heard a story where I guess you were speaking at it was a high school or middle school or something, and high school. And, and they let loose some animals or something. Yeah, and... it was at uh, Mountain Brook High School, which is a very Tony suburb, uh, and uh, they had like a career day. <laughs> 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 and uh, some guy in the back of uh, we were in the we were in the school library library, and some guy in the back uh, turned out to be a football player. Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, he let out a possum and ran right toward me, and just uh, the school banned me. They said you can. Uh, I didn't been there punish like, him. Punish you. I'd like been there four or five years in a row, and they said you're never coming back here again. It was like that Taylor Swift song. <laughs> we're, um, we're never getting back together, uh, and, and that was it. I mean, I you know banned at Mountain Brook High School. Mm. Well, have have you ever returned? Uh, never. I, never. I, I refuse. <laughs> Won't send my kids there either. <laughs> no, it, uh, it it it's just a lot. You know, just a little uh, milestones along the way. Yeah. We don't have to mention any names if you don't want to, but I've heard, uh, you know, you've had some run-ins with uh, coaches' wives. So I want to ask you, who, who's tougher to deal with, the coaches or the coaches' wives? Oh, the wives. Uh, I could, I literally thought about a book, my, my you know, coaches' wives. Uh, <laughs> you have a picture of a alluring young lady on the cover. Okay, I have had more more problems. Uh, probably the, there's two famous ones. Uh, one quickly. Uh, it was Auburn had uh, lost Alabama in the final series in, in 2009. It's pre preserved the shot at the national championship that year. And I, I was doing a local show, and it was cold, and uh, went into the uh, locker room to, to wait. We, were, we had to wait about 20 minutes to, to do the show. And all of a sudden, uh, two women just charged at me, and they started berating me. And it was uh, Gene Shizik's wife and Gus Malzahn's wife, and, and when I say berate, I'm I'm not talking about like way. <laughs> I mean, I finally at one point said something like, uh, "Listen, I, I'm aware. I, I realize I, I'd written something pretty critical or said something critical, uh, uh -huh. and they had just lost a big game uh, for first year for Shizik, and I said something like, uh, Mrs. Uh, Chizik." I mean, which I think she was insulted. I called her Mrs. Chizik, but I didn't know her first name. Uh, I said, uh, I said, I, I have, I have friends who are coaches. I, I understand. She said, Oh yeah, we know, uh, we know, we, we know you and uh, Terry and Nick Saban uh, are best friends, and you stay in their their guest house. And I'm like, <laughs> and I like raise my hand, and I, 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 I just like, I, and I, I mean, she, I, I thought she was going to come after me, and then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see a man walk up and say, "Ladies, let's go." It was Gus Malzahn, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it got. I mean, it, it, it got out and called. I mean, Chizik got fired uh, a couple of years later. Right. Malzahn got fired, so I'm good. Right. But the most famous one was uh, a guy named Mark Godfrey. Used to be the coach at Alabama, 
and he, he was about to get fired. And uh, I went to the Alabama Auburn basketball game, and I was sitting at midcourt, and halftime came. And you know, what, what are you doing? I mean, this is now 2010 or whatever it is. Looked at my phone, checked messages. All of a sudden, somebody started yelling at me, yelling. I finally stood up, and, and it was a woman. She was fairly tall, and I was, she was towering over me, just saying, you're, you're that blanket. I mean, she was like cursing and swearing, and it was Godfrey's wife. And you know, all you're doing to do is get my husband fired. And I'm like, I, I said to myself, this is fairly entertaining. Getting, <laughs> but, I, but I said, I wonder if anybody's noticing. Because I mean, you don't know. I mean, right, right. And finally, the horn sounded, which told me it's been 15 minutes of being <laughs> harassed by Mrs. Godfrey. I went back, got a drink, came back, and I looked at my phone. I had 30 texts from people saying, I mean, we were watching the whole thing. I mean, she just kicked your ass. I mean, I, we could hear it from like, and uh, I, I did a, I did a show on Jocks, the local station, on on Monday morning, and I put it on before I went on. They were talking about it. I mean, it became a cause celeb. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop there. They're 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 more, but I'll save it for the for the for the memoirs. Okay, okay. So, uh, you know, I know you've done a number of shows, but. I really wanted to ask you about the creation of the Paul Feinbaum show. I know Pat Smith mm -hmm. uh, was was integral in it that. Um, what, you know, that's another thing where y you guys didn't reinvent the wheel there. You know, there's there's been sports talk shows for for as, you know as long as there's been radio, yet the appeal, the popularity. Um, you know, can you get into you know why why do you think your show is, is so popular? Um, and, and did you have any idea it would it would have the reach it it does? No. Uh, well, first of all, I give Pat. Pat really created uh, the the concept of the show. I mean, I I was a sports writer trying to do talk radio. Right. He designed a lot of the uh, you know you know the, the musical aspects of it, uh, the more theatrical parts, and and he was the one who who came up with the idea to turn it into more than just a local show. Uh, he he constructed the network, uh, which w later led to us going on satellite radio, which was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Uh, this was this is quite a few years ago before you could just listen to a show on your radio on your on your phone, um, but but I think what separated us from the time from from other shows at that moment were the callers. We we began having uh, Pat came up with this idea to have a Christmas lunch one our first year or two, and all of a sudden all these characters started showing up at like a steakhouse. Who was a Ruth Chris was our sponsor, so they got stuck with the bill. <laughs> you know, we had ten people. The next year we had twenty people, um, and then finally somebody realized uh, we needed to do more. So we ha we started having events, and all these fans started showing up. And they all and the, and you know some of the names you still know, uh, you know, legend. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm talking to this guy about his his life, and I'm like going, "You killed a man." Right. I mean, uh, <laughs> really? He's one I don't want to get on his bad side. Yeah, I mean, so. Uh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll come back to that. We had a we had a situation uh, with Legend a couple of months ago. He's a well-known caller to the show. Mm -hmm. He 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 went to jail for for killing a man, a uh, capital murder. He's out now, of course, being a caller to the show. We got him. We, we got his, we got, we got his, <laughs> his sentence commuted because he's a good caller. Um, and he talked about being in prison, and so we hung up on him. And the next guy. I just kind of joked. I said, "So, did, did you, have you ever been to prison?" He said, 
matter of fact, I, I spent four years. I'm like going, it was Joe from Red Bay. Mm. What are the odds of back-to-back callers? <laughs> uh, and, and it was it was it was a it was a loss of life situation too. Uh, mm-hmm. One was murder. One was some like vehicular right, right. homicide. I mean, but what are the odds of having a show where you go back to back with two guys that went to jail for killing someone, indirectly or directly? Uh, and I'm not saying that's the whole show because we we have great callers. Uh, you know, probably the most famous is Tammy, who died a couple of years ago. But I think we've just gotten to know them, and I think too often. Michael, if I could, you know, sound like a, you know, a get off your lawn guy. Uh, too often, yeah, on talk radio, it's all about the host, and we we turned that around and made it all about the caller. Yeah, and I I would say this. I don't know if you would agree, but you know, I, I uh, you probably don't listen to the critics or anything too much, but you know, a lot of people's those are just a bunch of dumb hicks and, and why do you have so many people on here but if you really listen to your show i would say about 90 percent of them you know they're just passionate they, are. they they have great points uh you know every once in a while you get a crazy caller but uh I, I mean just i love listening to the show to get a sense of what the fan base right. is thinking not just alabama and auburn but now the entire sec i learned great things from your callers and uh it's wild that uh you know so many people just immediately dismiss them well i mean yeah i mean any any person that sits in your chair or mine who says oh i I don't care what the critics say they're 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 not telling the truth i mean you do listen to them Uh, and the critics have always said you know i'm just a lazy talk show host just flip hits buttons anybody can do that anybody can let a bunch of crazy people that's not true uh you have to decide to let them do it first (laughs) And and then you hit, then you hit the buttons, which is very easy to do. Um, but the caller, I mean, to me, uh, it's not it's not as unique today because other people have have followed the pattern. Right. But I think we we set the mold, and I, and I think we were the first work, first show to really turn it over. And I, I mean, uh, and, and and it takes getting to know them. And I, I really, uh, I've spoke, I've given eulogies, Michael, at countless funerals of callers because. You get to know them, and then you they become part of of a family. And and I really do believe that they are we are a family. And and the hardest decision in in some ways was to to gamble on where we are now. Uh, it was a very successful show in Birmingham. It was uh, regional, and then it became a, a satellite show. Mm-hmm. And when uh, this thing came along uh, almost ten years ago. I wasn't. I, w- I really wasn't sure it would work uh, to put this on TV. Uh, it wasn't so much that it was, you know, have a lot more people involved, and, and yeah. you know, to use the cliche, cooks in the kitchen. Uh, that was that was a major major issue that I was not sure I was ready to tackle. And and what about that transition to television? Was that difficult for you? Because for a lot of people like me, I had heard of you. I think mostly from because uh, I I grew up in Tennessee. I went to Tennessee. I heard about you know. You battles with like Fulmer, but yeah. I was never I never listened to the program till you got to SEC Network and you you're basically the face of the network and you get exposed. So not obviously there's there's countless others like me that got exposed to you. But how was that transition for you being more of a I don't I wouldn't say just a just a TV because it's still radio, but just because that's a big adjustment going on t- television. It, I, it was. Uh... Really, a couple of things happened to to help us get to uh, the SEC network. Uh, ESPN did a thirty for thirty called "Roll Tide, War Eagle" about 
the infamous call we received uh, on the tumors situation. Mm -hmm. And uh, another, uh, subsequently, an article came out about me in the New Yorker magazine, which is not normally where you see uh, SEC football discuss, but uh, <laughs> right. it's, a, it's a highbrow literary magazine. <laughs> and we got on ESPN's radar at, at about the same time uh, they were developing the SEC network. And even though it was an amazing opportunity, it meant leaving Alabama, I was still not sure. And we did a couple of, uh, they let us do uh, about three or four weeks on uh, ESPNU before the network launched. And I heard this very reliably that some of the producers in, in, the, in the control room just said that this is a, going to be a disaster. This guy does not understand television. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what the camera look at. And, you know, he doesn't have the, the, uh, the articulation and the modulation and the energy. Right, right. Because that's not really who I, I mean, I'm a very low-key talk show host. I'm not like, and by the way, I realize if you're doing a sport center at night, you can't. Oh, Lakers lost uh, LeBron. I mean, you got to punch it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you got the music. You got the drama. That, that's not me. And 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 I and I was pretty sure that was a. You know, I wasn't. My wife had not moved. She was still in Birmingham, and I I, I moved. Uh, I commuted for nine months, and about two three months into it, I, I wasn't sure whatever it could be because I got to I got to Charlotte uh, in August of ten years ago. And the network wasn't launching till the next year. So I did the show on radio. I did a lot of TV. And then they decided, you know what? We really don't have anything for him to do during football season. <laughs> so let's, uh, first first game of the year, year first uh, game day of the year was Georgia Clemson. So the head of game day said, yeah, let's why don't we uh, have him come over to Clemson and see how he does on game day. I immediately, uh, I got back at Gene Chizik that day, and we were talking about Auburn, and Gus Malzahn's first game, and they said, uh, Chris Fowler goes, well, what do you think of uh, the transition? I said, well, first of all, I said, I think Gus Malzahn will have a good year. He was not, he was predicted to have a bad year. Right. He ended up going playing for the National. I said, but, I said, considering he's following uh, Gene Chizik, who's the worst coach to ever win a national championship. <laughs> and, I mean, all of a sudden, I saw, you know, Herb Street, you know. <laughs> I mean, their mouth was open, and and all. I mean, that was my introduction to game day, and they said, "Well, can you come back the next week?" You know? <laughs> I mean, it was like a meltdown. Nobody had ever said that on game day. Right. So, uh, four weeks later, um, it's LSU, Georgia, and Athens, and uh, by then they realized that let's keep him by himself <laughs> he, he can be on the show every week but uh we don't we don't want him sitting with the guys who are making big money so i, I sat in this little chair in athens and chris fowler over on the, on the big set go to paul you know big game tonight uh Ole miss excuse me i i, I got ahead of myself and he said usc is playing uh arizona state uh in tempe and uh, lane kiffin's uh one and two and struggling. You think he can get the quarterback situation turned around? I'm like, well, I didn't even know who the quarterback was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew that. I, 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 I knew what the question was going to be, right. but I also knew what my answer was going to be. <laughs> and I said, first of all, Chris, I said, I'm, if Lane Kiffin's father was not Monty Kiffin, the famous defensive coach, I said, he would have never gotten this job. I said, he's been an absolute disaster. 
as far as the quarterback situation, I said it really doesn't matter because Lane Kif- Kiffin is is inept and incompetent to even attempt to straighten this out. I said, I said hopefully, uh, you know, the adults in the room will come to their senses. Uh, I said because Lane Kiffin has turned into the Miley Cyrus of college football. <laughs> He's an absolute joke, and the sooner that Southern Cal fires him, the better. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good take. <laughs> Got the show ended a couple of minutes later. I went back. Everybody, you know, schmoozes for a few minutes. Everybody has lunch. Nobody spoke to me. Like, I mean, nobody. I was I was supposed to ride the Atlanta airport with Gene Wojciechowski, and he just like stay away from me. <laughs> Get in the car. Check my phone. I mean, it's the social media is exploded. Fly home, get to Birmingham. I'm still commuting. Go home every weekend. My wife picks me up at the airport. She goes, well, what in the world? Why in the world did you do that? I mean, that was just so, so mean and negative. I thought, oh, well, I don't... <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> and uh, great to be home. <laughs> you know, forget about it. I mean, I, I realized it was over. I mean, I, I didn't think I'd ever do another game day. So I go to bed, wake up about... Uh, six o'clock in the morning and just kind of you know check my phone as I'm stumbling a bunch of calls to my phone from uh, 860 that's uh, Bristol Connecticut flip on the TV sports center is on now that's about seven maybe a little later somewhere around there bottom breaking news Lane Kiffin fired at USC mm. my car I literally Next thing I see, Lane Kiffin is the Miley Cyrus of college. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they said, how, how quickly can you get on? I, I'm on TV all day long. So years later, I'm sitting with Lane Kiffin. And, I mean, he, he, got, he, he blamed me. Yeah. And he continues to blame me. So, so he, he told me, uh, we, we got through it. But, talk, but, I, but, but I finally asked him, I said, uh, I said, what, I said, what really, uh, Lane Kiffin called me right now, by the way. Um, I, I said, what really happened? He said, this is exactly what happened. He said, Pat Hayden was the AD, and his president met for coffee and breakfast, you know, whatever time it was, and it was 6, 7 o'clock in Arizona while game day came on. And they, they, they were concerned about Kiffin. He ended up losing badly that night. And the president... And all of a sudden, they said USC. So they turned up the sound in the little coffee room, and I did what I did. About and the president looked at Pat Hayden and said, "That's humiliating." He said, "If we lose tonight, fire his ass." Kiffin swears that happened, and he was fired on the tarmac at LAX, as you all know. Yeah. Wow. But again, it goes back to you know how we all started this. You know, you you're doing things a little bit different. <laughs> And people get upset, people get mad, but it, you know, it helps. And it's, you know, it's not just mudslinging, it's, there's validity to the, com- I mean, surely his his job was in jeopardy if yeah. if a quote on television inspired a firing. I mean, it, you could, you could say that about Nick Saban today, that he's not getting fired tomorrow. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, I mean, he would have gotten fired, but, but I think, but it shows you that presidents pay attention to things that, I mean, they don't keep keep up with this stuff like we do right right um but but yeah so that 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 was uh 
you know, they they obviously I finished the year on game day. <laughs> um, and but but I was hired for the SEC SEC Network and the SEC Nation show. Right. Uh, so then it became a bit of a tug of war. Uh, what are you going to do? And uh, they wanted me to stay on game day, but uh, it was part of my deal to do SEC Nation. So uh, anyway, the rest is history, as they say. But but that, yeah, that that's a, that was a moment though in time where. I just simply didn't know better. Uh, I didn't know Lane Kiffin was a friend of Herb Street and Fowler. <laughs> and uh, I've learned. By the way, I've learned since that, that yeah, that there are certain things you don't say. Uh, but but I but I've always had that approach that, uh, and I think it comes from my lack of formal training at, uh, right. in communications. And how much fun do you have doing that, going from campus to campus, SEC Nation? Because, you know, like at the Tennessee game we referenced earlier, I think you, you came out in a casket. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen you, I think it was Arkansas, Texas. You slammed the Texas helmet down, and, and you recently had, I think it was the AD of Texas on. He's still yeah, he commenting about the helmet you throw down. So, uh, again, goes back to what you're saying. People are paying attention. People are viewing this stuff. But, uh, you know, how much how much fun do you have getting to do that? Well, it is fun because, it, I mean, I, I, to me, when you're doing something a little bit different, I mean, to me, this is right. fun to kind of laying back. <laughs> I mean, what, what's, what can become tedious is who's, who you think is going to win. Uh, right, yeah, right. I mean, that, that's, but that's part of the tapestry of what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter where, where I go, I'm going to run into a fan of some school, and that's all he wants to talk about. Right. I mean, I, I live in North Carolina, so I'm walking my dog and go, hey, well, you think Wake Forest is going to do? It? I don't care how Wake Forest is going to. Do. I don't care if they have a program. <laughs> but you go. I think they're pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, <laughs> but everybody wants to talk about. It. But that's what makes what we do fun because everybody cares. Everybody's passionate. This is not an. You're not indifferent about it. Yeah. Now I, uh, I'm not trying to get a spoiler out of here, but I, but I assume when Texas and Oklahoma comes in, SEC Nation is probably going to be at that first Red River rivalry. It's got to be right. Well, I would think uh, their their entrance into the league next year will be noticed. <laughs> we will be in Norman and Austin every week, <laughs> sometimes both places. Right, right. Uh, no, that, I, I really, uh, not to get serious here for a minute because this has been too much fun, um, but, yeah, that, that's next 24, 2024 is going to be quite a paradigm shift with 12-team playoff in Texas and Oklahoma and probably nine games. right. Now, if you think, uh, do you think the SEC will expand again at in, in, in the future? And, and if so, which direction do you think it could potentially go? I think it will take, I, I mean, I, I, was, I saw some people uh, today connected to the SEC, and they're still trying to figure out the schedule for next year. Right. Uh, so it, well, I, I bring that up because it's very difficult to expand. It takes a long time. So I, I think ultimately, yes, you'll see more uh, movement, but uh, I, don't th- I don't think it will be immediate i mean when 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 tech when uh when southern cal and ucla went to the big 10 i thought we were about to just see chaos for years but uh and there has been chaos in the big 12 but but it it, i I think the sec is really happy with where they are at the moment but they couldn't have done any better than texas i don't think so uh because oklahoma has wanted in for a while uh that's a story that has been on the the has been murmured about but Texas was Texas really at one time wanted nothing to do with the SEC. I mean, they were 
the University of Texas. They were, right. they were going to go to the Pac-12. They're, Texas could have gone anywhere, though. And that, that's the big misunderstanding. Is that, you know, Everybody wanted to get mad a year ago, when, a year and a half ago. But So if, if you're the SEC commissioner and Texas, you know Texas is in play, you go, nah, well, we're good. Let them go to the Big Ten or the ACC or wherever. Mm -hmm. They had to do it. Now, how much pressure do you think that puts on Jimbo to, to, to turn this thing around at A&M? Because if, if, a if Texas comes into the league with Arch Manning and they're flying high, um, I, I mean, I just can't imagine that's good for them. Yeah, you know, I'm, I don't know about you guys always taking shots at Jimbo. That's just, uh, he's a great man, a great coach. <laughs> <laughs> that, by the way, that's... <laughs> Somebody uh, I saw the other day where Jimbo was now ranked number seventeen in the country among uh, he was in the top five last year, right? But he's safe, you know that. I mean, how, how many times do you want to hear that? I'm a lot, I just want to know where he's, you know what Jimbo's going to do at the first game when when he starts when when he calls the plays and Bobby Petrino taps him on the shoulder, and says, I'm that guy. I just I just can't get over it, Paul. I mean, how how I we're the bad guy. Like I I just. I can't imagine Texas A&M fans can be happy. Uh, I think we saw, I, I think the initial reaction probably was how they felt. Uh, they were not happy about it. Um, I, I do believe today uh, that they've they've come to grips with it. Uh, that is an important game for them to have back on the schedule. Right. Uh, but it uh it does back to your question which i've been trying to avoid now for about uh, two and a half minutes i mean the pressure will be intense because I, I mean at some point you can't say well he's safe uh i mean he's got to win right i mean, I mean nobody nobody is safe uh, i i i mean we watched uh, jim Beheim the other day yep thrown out with the trash <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I realized that he wasn't the same, you know, money is money, but when you, at some point, the money becomes a lesser issue. Mm. Well, speaking of that, I really wanted to ask you kind of a big picture question with all the money in co collegiate sports. I mean, it, it, it can be great, but at the same time, are, are any level of concern with you that, uh, you know, not only, I mean, I talked to people that were pricing out fans and, yeah. you know, it, if we want a mini NFL, I mean it. They're going to make their money, but it's it, it's going to lose what's special about it if we let people run the sport that don't have the sports interest at heart and they're just trying to make a dollar. Are are we in danger of, of trending towards that? Do you think? Yes, I mean we're there. Yeah, uh, college football is a mini NFL, and if you cannot deny that with with a twelve team playoff, it's. The concept is the same. Uh, it's not about winning your championship anymore. It's about uh, can you avoid a first-round uh, matchup on the road? Can you can you get a bye? Can you get a good seed? Yeah. Same concept that makes the NFL work. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think this argument has gone on for a long time though uh, that that money is corrupting the sport. But but I I think you could have made that argument 20 years ago. Or it's just so much more pervasive now. The idea that Average coaches are making six or seven million dollars a year. I mean, I, I'm, this is not the place nor the time, and I'm not going to say that. Nor am I going to ask the question: How did Eli Drinkwitz get a contract extension? <laughs> 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 uh, 
this 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 is not a good form for that. <laughs> right, right. Well, we're sitting here uh, recording in Nashville. I've, I've been asking everybody about this. We got media days coming up for the first time here in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, and I think they do a great job of hosting it in Alabama. But it's it's nice to see it move around a little bit. Um, what's your anticipation for that event? And are you aware of any any kind of you know special? Because I, I I believe back in the 2020 before COVID there were. There was going to be some kind of fan event here. Yeah. Any idea if they're going to do something similar? I, mean, I think the, the concept was to replicate the NFL draft, which isn't easy to do. Right. Uh, but I was at the draft last year in Vegas, and it, that's become an event that's out of control. Right, right. Uh, I haven't heard, uh, but but I think it's great. I, I mean, listen, I'm my heart. I've spent so much of my, my life in Alabama, but at some point it needed to move. And I think the safest bet in the world is it's heading to Texas soon. Right. <laughs> Very soon, <laughs> maybe Jerry World or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it. I think it's essential that uh, you. I mean, again, not not to. I'm I'm at the wrong network to start complaining about media days, <laughs> but it, it it's primarily a television event, we, uh, and everyone else. Uh, but it will be different though, because uh, I think the uh, I, th- I think I think the Birmingham event is primarily about. Nick Saban going up in the escalator. So <laughs> we've seen that a few times, haven't we? Well, I, I really wanted to ask you this: How much time and effort goes into the the show every day? And and the reason that that I really wanted to to ask that is because um, you know events like tragic events like Mike Leach, you guys did such an outstanding job, and it, this was not one event. This was days on on end, having callers, having guests, having people that knew Mike Leach. And it was, I mean, it was a must-see television. And it's its not just sad things like that. It was, you know, 40 years since Bear Bryant passed. You, you have a day surrounding that. You guys are, are very flexible, and, and you just do an outstanding job. How, how much time and effort goes into all that? Well, we have a great crew. And I, I'm not trying to sound like a coach here praising a staff. But, I mean, they, they do the hard work. They put the infrastructure. But the, the thing that, that I like the most about what we do, which is different than most shows, is the, we have the flexibility. And when something like the Mike Leach event occurs, sure, you have guests. But the very first day, Michael, we, didn't, we, we, we were pretty sure what the end result was going to be, but we right. didn't know when. So you, you lean on, on, on the public, and the public came, came for that uh, and, and really you know, turn that into one of the most memorable two or three days we've ever had in terms of paying tribute to someone. And, and I'm really proud of the, the way, I mean, the stories were just endless. Uh, I mean, we, we all knew Mike Leach, but I mean, we started getting calls from his bus driver at Washington State and, you know, someone uh, in, in Birmingham who, uh, who had had cancer and he had called and, and visited I mean, I, there were things that, and and that really made it. Uh, that that made it more special. And and I think uh, you can't predict, you can't plan. Uh, but I think I think the big mistake a lot of times in media today is that everything is so programmed and, and formatted uh, that when when something like that happens, that really does affect everyone. Uh, the programs don't have the flexibility to 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 move and, and adapt to the to the moment. Mm. All right, final question for you, Paul. I really appreciate you coming in here, spending so much time. There was uh, reports. I don't know how much validity to them, but uh, you know, I don't want to get too into your business here. But there was contract negotiations, and there was 
Paul Feinbaum may jump to the Big Ten. <laughs> did Jimmy Sexton come up with that one for he did. you? He did. Um, that was a that, that was that was actually reported. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I I had a guy call me, and I one thing I've always really tried to do because I'm I'm not really written about often, but whenever it is the case. I, I, I'm a reporter. I, I do. I understand. So the guy called me and he said, that, uh, I, I have a source that says you're going to the Big Ten. And I'm like going, you have a source? <laughs> um, I said, well, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> he said, but I have a source. <laughs> you do not supersede the I, source. Huh? He said, I'm, I'm running with it. I said, I said, listen, you know, you go, can we talk off the record? And you know that doesn't mean anything. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I said, the deal with ESPN is not done yet. This has been a long, protracted deal. It had been in the media. A uh, guy that lives in Nashville had really turned it into a cause celeb. <laughs> you may know him. <laughs> I mean, he turned it into a circus. <laughs> right, right. Um, so after the Clay Travis report, <laughs> there were other reports. And this guy called me. And, and so I finally said to him, I said, I'm not going to the Big Ten Network. He said, but I, I really believe, I, I said, and I, I think I finally, in frustration, just said, because I, I hate when people say this, but I did it for the first and only time. I said, write whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so at seven o'clock that night, it was on like July 3rd, we were about to break, I was driving home from the show, I got a bulletin from his publication, his breaking news, Paul Feinbaum in contract talks with the Big Ten Network. And I'm like going... I think the deal had already been done with ESPN. That they had come to see me and we agreed, and mm -hmm. we, it just had it, it was taken. And to this day, I, I've had I have people come to me, just like today, saying, "How, how close were you going to the Big Ten now?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bet there was never a chance I was going, <laughs> but it could still happen in the future. <laughs> There's always a, now that they're a bigger league. Right, right. Uh, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it's really, it's comical to think about. Uh, can you, I mean, and I, I know we got to run it. We're out of time, but think about it. Can you imagine hosting a show and getting calls about Indiana <laughs> and Purdue? Hey, got the big, <laughs> big oaken bucket at stake uh, Saturday and West Lafayette, and we'll be there for Big Ten today. You guys come out early if you can get a, if you can get away from uh, the milking the cows and plowing the fields. Yeah, no, that that would have broken many people, probably myself included. So I'm glad it didn't happen, Paul. Thank you.